0: Welcome to Scoop FM, the official podcast. of your Dynasty League, one of many leagues accounts. I'm your host, Dan Balinky, riding solo this evening, no co-pilot by my side. And that's because Devin Rambo hasn't returned any of my calls or messages uh, since about 11.35 p.m. Sunday night. Uh, I don't know what that would have to do with anything but you know i like to assume that he's out there grinding trying to get us an advertiser um for this podcast get us some uh sponsorship money um i don't know if he's coarse with me for any reason but you know if he if he doesn't return soon someone i can't produce this thing myself you know i might need a new co-host but anyways oh i know it's been a week we took an unexpected week off where's my podcast where's my free podcast where is it You haven't done enough for me. You know how much I've done. I've done more for you than any of you deserve, than the 10 of your soul's worths combined don't deserve. More, more, more. I could take the podcast off forever. I could put this league on autopilot, and I'd already go down as one of the greatest commissioners of all time. But I had to take a week off because I had my brother and my sister-in-law coming into town, and they were staying at the house. I had to clean and... You know it's really, you know, it was a lot easier when uh I lived in Cleveland and my brother came up one time and I was like, "Yeah, man, I have an air mattress. Come on in." Now it's like, "Oh my god, I got to fucking wash sheets and towels and clean floors." That sucks ass. But we did miss a week and you know, we regret that. So instead of a usual opening monologue and I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, you know, let's just let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. Let's go over um the waiver wire action because we got two weeks to catch up on. Um, this is really not a not a strong start for our, for our return, but but we have so much to get through. I don't know if we can really keep it that interesting. We really just got to get this info out. So last week's waivers, we had Mac getting Boston Scott for thirty three dollars, beating out Nick for thirty two. Wow. So fucking close. Nick finally realized, hey, when a running back gets a starting job, I probably have to put, I don't know, a, a, a somewhat significant amount of money. I can't just scoop fucking Alexander Madison or Mike Davis the week that the starting running backs go down for $2. So he said, I'll put on 32 And he just missed it by one fucking dollar. That's crushing. Uh, Bill and Devin both bid 22 and Eric bid 15 uh, Devin instead got Gio Bernard for $6 and it's a whiff. He read the mix and practice reports. I saw it coming. I didn't want to, I, I thought about this. I don't have any fab, which has put me in a bind the past couple weeks because I could use, um, some decent flex guys, which I don't totally have right now. Um, but yeah, it's a whiff. Nobody bid anything. Nick got the bills defense for $6, which Eric bid $5. I bid three. And then Bill got Adam Humphreys for $3. Not a big deal this week. Bob claims Richard Higgins for $22, beating Bill's 5 and my $0 bid. Matt gets Nelson Aguilar for $22, beating only my $0 bid, technically a whiff. He was ahead of me in the standings, could have just got him for free. Matt also grabbed Carlos Hyde for $13, which who knows if he's even going to play. Bob bid 11 and Bill bid 7. Bob got Donovan Peoples-Jones for $8, and it's a whiff. The rookie Wide receiver out of Michigan, playing for the Cleveland Browns. Nobody bid anything except Bob. So now Bob's got Richard Higgins and DPJ. If any of them prove to be uh have some connection with Baker, that might be pretty good. Bob also grabs Scotty Miller for eight dollars. I mean, how many people do you have to fucking drop? See, I, I I don't have this luxury because I have a lot of good players. Well, not anymore. We'll get to that, but. I can't believe you could, you're able to grab like five people in one week. I couldn't find how many people to drop. And Scotty Miller, I only bid a zero dollar bid. It's technically a whiff. He could have got him for free, for free. Saves sixteen bucks this week. Devin got DJ Dallas for six dollars, beating Bob's five. He might start, but if you notice, he also kind of almost lost. No, he <laughs> he was a contributing factor to the Seahawks' loss. He completely missed uh, this blocking assignment in pass protection and got got Russell Wilson into a lot of trouble, and from what I heard, Pete Carroll was fucking pissed. So even if he is the guy, <laughs> I don't know, maybe we should expect some empty sets, or I don't know if they have a halfback on the team. Bill grabbed Jalen Guyton for a dollar as a whiff. Devin got Gus Edwards for a buck, which was also a whiff, but you know, he, he can't go through a season without adding and dropping Gus Edwards about 20 times. I don't know. Uh, I've also been requested to begin giving activities of, of ads and drops that are made outside the waiver period. We used to run waivers every day, so I would catch everything for the most part. Now I can't do that. So I did want to uh, highlight a couple over the past few weeks I thought were interesting. Eric grabbed Dev—sorry, uh, Dev—grabbed Des Bryant last week on October 22nd. I mean, I didn't even know there were rumors of him signing back then, so so good for him. He's clearly gotten in with Schefter or something. Bill grabbed a Michael Hasty last Saturday. I was look at, or last Thursday, I was looking for him Saturday morning, and it turns out Bill had already snatched him up. Pretty nice move, not having to get him for any fab. Uh, Nick got Pollard Saturday evening, which fucking sucks. Because, see, Pollard went on a waiver period because Devin dropped him to pick Gio Bernard. And I put in a claim thinking I had a spot on my roster and didn't have to drop anybody. And I didn't realize Saturday morning my claim didn't go through because I had too many players. And I didn't list anybody to drop. And so fucking Nick gets him for free a couple hours later. That that hurts. Nick also grabbed Mike Glennon on Sunday with the Saturday the news that he might get benched. Uh Gardner Minshew, that is. And that's that's pretty interesting because now Minshew apparently has a hand injury on bye. Who knows what they'll do out the gate? I mean, look, my my opinion on Minshew is he's played all right. You know, I mean, and that's just about it. He's 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 missing a lot of passes. Chark has had some drops. Um I don't know. I mean, you look at the box score and you think he hasn't played that bad. But when you watch him, you're just like, this is not an NFL starting quarterback. I mean, there there is no, there is zero reason to tout this guy another year. I mean, he looks like maybe one of the best backups in the league. I mean, I'm sure the Cowboys would love to have him right now, but he's not taking anybody to a Super Bowl. It's not worth it. You're one in five at this point. Um, I don't think you really have much else, any other place to go. You might as well continue on this train and get in the, the Fields and Lawrence lottery. Um, and then on Thursday, this past Thursday, just a couple days ago, yesterday, I grabbed Ben Denucci, and you all let me do it. You fucking sons of bitches, you let me get Denucci. Jesus, Zeke, the Zeke Renaissance is upon us, folks, and it's being heralded by one Ben Denucci. No, well, probably means fucking nothing. Let's get into the trades, so... <sighs> Sorry, I had to take a really deep breath and fart for this one. I made a landmark trade that everybody's probably really pissed about. Thinks I'm a fucking idiot. So I got Ryan Tanhill, Nick Foles, and Hunter Renfro. And I gave up Matt Stafford, Cam Newton, Debo Samuel, LaVisca Chenault, Nate's 2023rd, and Bill's 2023. Holy overpay. I paid a buck fifty on the dollar for that shit. Okay, now look. There's a lot of facets to this. Let's just start with the players themselves. Okay, so Foles and Cam, this is going to be crazy. I think that's even. That's about a wash. Foles actually has the better schedule down the stretch if you look at it. Foles has been lower ceiling, right? He hasn't scored as high as Cam did those first two weeks yet, but he's been more consistent than Cam. Um, And the Bears are a better team than the Pats. I mean, he isn't playing great, but Nag- Nagy made a big thing of like I'm taking out Trubisky. They were three and one when he got benched. I mean, I don't think they're going back to him unless there's an injury. So he's a nice, just kind of backup guy. Whereas Cam, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't read too much into him getting benched last week. I mean, it was just completely out of hand. Why keep him in there? This week in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm expecting a mediocre performance, probably better than what he had against the Niners. Probably they run him a little more, but not great. Uh, you know, maybe he gets a rushing touchdown and that kind of saves his day, but yeah, like 17, 18 points. I don't know. Then it gets the Jets. He's going to just demolish them, I believe, and we'll have a really good game. And then after that, I think he's on bye. You know, and then when he comes back, he's got a tough schedule to end the year. I mean, he doesn't get to play, the, he only gets to play the Dolphins one more time. Whose secondary is actually pretty good. Um, he only, he gets to play the Jets, but in week 17, he's got to play the Bills again. I mean, they don't really have that many plus matchups left. And the Pats are in a, in, are in dangerous territory here. If they don't beat the Bills, I mean, what are they? They're, they're really kind of out of contention here. Um, I mean, even with seven playoff spots, it'd be a lot for them to come back. You have rumors that Gilmore wants traded. I mean, I don't like anything that's going on with that team. And both Foles and Cam are one-year guys. I mean, I don't anticipate anybody starting these guys past this year. So whatever. I think that's even. Tannehill for Stafford? Yeah, I like Tannehill more. I was right at the end of of each playoffs in this league. The end of the playoffs— I got Cam Newton. I bought the dip. I bought the injury dip. The end of the playoffs, I bought Tannehill. I bought the no contract, we don't know if he's going to start next year dip. I was right to buy both of those, but both of these guys were a little like penny stocks, or growth stocks, you know what I mean? You could sell fucking high as hell, and it could actually become something. You know, There's a couple options. It's so volatile. You could sell low and just lose it all and say, fuck it, I want to stop the bleeding. I'm just cutting my losses now, which is what I just did with Cam. Because we all know if I could go back in time and sell him after week two, I would have gotten a haul, obviously. Uh, But now the value is so low, and it might go even lower, so who knows. That's the thing with the penny stock, the growth stock. It goes so high, and you think, holy shit, I could sell now, but maybe this is actually the real deal. Maybe this is the next Google. I'm not going to jump off the ship right now. Um, So that, that was me not selling Cam back then. And Tannehill, I kind of thought, look, we we saw it. It was fun. They signed him. I think he'll come back down to earth. I looked at my quarterbacks. I was like, let's give it a week. I watched um, I watched Stafford play. I was like, yeah, you know, he he needs a little time, but I still have faith in him. I watched Lamar play at a great week one, Cam at a great week one. And Tannehill was about average. I said, Yeah, I think out of this crew, Tannehill's who I like the least. I got the Stafford Galladay connection, so I'll keep Stafford. That was maybe my biggest mistake because obviously we know I had too many quarterbacks at the time. I could have shed Stafford and probably gotten decent value. But the thing is, I did sell Tannehill to Nate already with Fournette for a first and a third round pick. Okay? Nate's tracking where that's going to be Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. So even considering this overpay, I ultimately think it was worth it. I'm overpaying now because maybe I undersold that. Now sure, if I sold Cam and after that week two performance, and Fournette after his big game with the Bucks, Maybe that's two firsts. You know, you can always play this game if you could have done better, but it, you can't. It's over, okay? It's done for. Now, I like Tannehill going forward more than Stafford, actually, and I'm not just fucking saying that. He's got a better schedule. He's in a weaker division. Outside of the Colts, you got two terrible defenses in the Jags and the Texans. I mean, he's got the better schedule. He's got the longer contract. He's on the book. They're both on the books for the same amount of time, but he doesn't really have a reasonable dead cap until the start of the 2023 season. So you're getting at least through 21 and 22 with him. You know, anything can change, but most likely. Stafford's out at the after 2021 going into 2022. They can cut him for not that much. And Matt Patricia, I mean, I, I, I think what's more likely— that Vrabel stays the coach of the Titans, and we see continuity there with Tannehill. Things are working. They're competing. They're near the top of the AFC. Even if they go a little mediocre, you know, their defense catches up to them, or Derrick Henry loses a little bit, the bones are still there. The Lions have been terrible for all of Stafford's career. They're still terrible. Patricia is one of the worst coaches in the league who will probably be fired at some point this year, I would expect. And so when we consider that, I mean you're coming in as a head coach with a fucking shitty team and a high pick, maybe. I mean, how much longer you want to roll with Stafford? I mean, I believe in the guy. I think in the right situation, he would have been really successful, but he was never in the right situation. Now he's 32, and you kind of know what you got, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think Tannehill has more value. So like Stafford and two-thirds for Tannehill, I think that's even value. So where I get killed is the Renfro for Debo and Visca. Obviously, you take the Debo and Visca side 10 times out of 10. I mean, you might have to add Renfro and maybe two seconds to make that even. Um, but let me explain my thinking here on Debo. I love the guy. He, he's he's great. This was actually Nate's original pick. Actually, Debo and Visca, Nate drafted in 2020 and 2019 and then traded to me. And I'm giving them him back. It's a homecoming, so to speak. But another trade we forgot to mention, I'll, I'll mention now. I just got Brandon Ayuk. Okay, I don't really like having two wide receivers on the same team. Now, of course, that logic steered me away from grabbing DK Metcalf in the 2020 draft because I already had Lockett, so it's not surefire. But what I've seen with Debo and Ayuk on the field, Debo's average depth of target is negative this year. Why? Because he's taking pitches out of the backfield, large sweeps. He's a juiced-up running back, which is awesome. It was fun as hell. It's fun as hell to watch. And it can break off some huge plays. But it's not an alpha wide receiver move. He was doing some of that stuff. He was playing outside, and he's great after the catch. He's just a monster with the ball in his hand. But since Ayuk's been on the team, he's been outside. And Debo has still been doing those gadget plays. Now, you could talk to me. It's, it's nursing's injury. What He's injured again. He's been injured all year. He's an injury history in college. Okay, so to me, you know, I, I just, I, I'm fine with getting off the train if that's what I need to do to make this deal work. LaVisca, similar story. He's explosive, injury history, I don't know where the Jags are going this season. I think he's a great long-term piece because I envision them getting a Justin Fields, and I envision LaVisca being a inconsistent but just having some monster-fucking win-you-a-week type weeks. <laughs> That's terrible, but you know what I mean. So it, it hurts to let him go, but I mean, I've got Lockett, Galladay, Godwin, T. Higgins, IUK, and out of those guys, Debo and LaVisca were at my very bottom. And as for the picks, yeah, Nate's third is looking to be like 21-22. There was some good value there. Who knows where Bills will end up? Um, You know, and there's some decent value in the third round. There's probably like a 33% hit rate. Um, So losing two pieces sucks. But I have five picks in the top 20. Now, I would have liked to keep those because, you know, maybe I could use them to make some deals on draft day, which I love to do. So it stinks losing them now. But realistically, I only dropped five players last year. I wasn't going to ever make it to seven. Devin, I think, set the lead record having seven picks last year. So, I mean, it's possible, but it's not entirely likely. Um, So, yeah, and Renfro, he fucking stinks, whatever. But this was my whole thing. I looked at this season, and I said, I cannot make it. Stafford and Cam are too middling. If I think I need a serious playoff push, I need to upgrade this quarterback position. And believe it or not, I thought Tannehill was the key, which stunk, because I had him him at the start of the year. (laughs) I trade him. <laughs> but, 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 that trade still could net me a fucking high price quarterback, and no, that's all worth it. Anyways, another trade we've, we neglected to discuss was I traded Brandon Ayuk for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Nick was desperate for a win and desperate for a third quarterback, and he got it. Of course, he got one week of action, and then, boy, got benched, which really stinks. But, um... I, I, know, I know most people belabor this, and the initial gut reaction, mine as well, was, why would they trade Ryan? Why would they bench Fitzpatrick? They're playing well. They're in competition. Well, when you watched him, an incredible game against the Niners. I won't take that away from him. He didn't even dominate the Jets. And the Jets' defense actually isn't that bad. If, if you've noticed, it's just that their offense, <laughs> it just goes nowhere. It goes three and out or gives you an easy turnover. It's similar to what the Broncos have been dealing with the past couple of years. Jets' defense isn't bad. They can actually make some stops, but I don't know. It's like, here's the thing. They are in contention. That's exactly the point. They are right on the cusp of a wildcard spot, and New England is seemingly falling apart, which makes it even easier to climb ahead. So why not fucking start Tua? I mean, is, is there not a chance that... I know, to start with the Rams, and I think he's got that... um uh, he's got someone else coming up that isn't a great matchup, but they're seeing him in practice. I I put my trust in Flores. I think he's a really good coach. I was saying this last year as they started to put together some wins. Uh, he was dealt an awful situation with no talent and made the most of it. He's a smart guy. I don't think they make this move if if two is not ready. Now I'm not saying he's going to light the league on fire, but this is going to be some valuable experience for him, a uh, chance to be a leader on his own team. And yeah, I think it's it's absolutely the move. So, and with the magic of editing, I am back. After nearly six and a half hours, I I tried recording this podcast at the end of my work day, but of course I got a fucking work call, so I had to stop, and then, you know, life got the best of me. I gotta go work out. I gotta get, look, when you look at this body, you think this just happens? You think I just wake up, and I'm this combination of flabby, but kind of having a big chest, Mostly man titties? No. There's a lot of work that needs to go into that, and I put it in. Um, Regardless, I am back. We're a little tipsy here. We're in the basement recording so as to not disturb all the sleeping life forms in my house that includes my girlfriend, babe, that includes my dog, boss, that does not include the kitty. She's awake. She's here with me. Say hi, kitty. Say hi. Say fucking hi right now. That's a problem with cats. Anyways, we have one last trade to get to. That is Bob giving up Jerry, Judy, and Zach Moss for Leonard Fournette and $11 in Fab. Now, I know you all want me to shit on Bob for this, and I do too, but I get it. Tried to get a running back with upside or who's performing well this year, it's really fucking hard. So far in our league, Fournette, (laughs) I, I I traded for Fournette last year. Bob had him from—I got him from Bob. I gave him Devontae Adams, and he gave me Leonard Fournette, and the pick that ended up being T. Higgins. I mean, yeah, I got roasted in that trade, and it was a terrible trade. In some respects, I mean, no, it was—I don't know. It it was—I made two really bad trades last year to try to win it all. It was a bad trade. That's obvious. Um, But it's hard to do. It's really hard to get— starting running backs in this league. I defended Drew this way. I'll defend anybody this way. It's a scarce position. Um, But yeah, it is nuts, because then I sold Tannehill and Fournette. When Tannehill had an okay week, like people weren't that psyched on him, I sold that for a first and a third. And now Fournette is going for a first and a second based on last year's draft. Of course, obviously, if we redrafted, I don't think either of these guys would go that high. I have a point on that, but... This is really nice. It's another nice move for Nate. I like it. Just this week, he's accumulated two more third-round picks, and now he has three-thirds because previously he didn't have any first or second-rounders. Last year, no first or second-rounders, and he just made up for it with Judy and Moss. It's as if he had a first and second-round pick because he got him for Fournette. I mean, Moss, you're buying on on a low, but I actually like Moss. Um, I still like Moss long-term. I think the Bills are still working things out. I think that with his injury, it derailed things. I think he would have had a larger work share if he weren't injured, and Devin Singletary's only good games have been when he's been out-out, not even questionable, out-out. Jerry Judy, not as big of a fan on, but, I mean, still, just the talent and the the draft capital-wise, that's awesome, and Broncos are a shit show, he could turn things around. I had this argument it's funny Judy comes up I had an argument with this fucking loser idiot on reddit who was trying to tell me he was he was showing his his okay we're halfway through the season here's my new rankings for rookies right and so when it got to the receivers tier one was CD and Justin Jefferson totally deserved I agree I agree fully I said CD would be a generational talent and I neg drew about Jefferson even though I secretly wanted him It's all on paper. It's all documented. It's all known. His tier 2A, he had to qualify tier 2A, was Judy and Ruggs. You got to be fucking kidding me. Tier 2B, Higgins and Claypool. Get the fuck out of here. I literally took this guy to task. I said, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about opportunity? You want to talk about college production? You want to talk about NFL production? You want to talk about the level of target competition these guys are currently facing I mean I was like give me one reason why Higgins should be below either of those guys give me one give me a reason why Claypool should be over them and with Claypool he said well I mean we saw last year what there's nothing behind Ben Roethlisberger and he's 38 what if he retires what if he's injured I'm like bro (laughs) he isn't retired and he's not injured and even last year, with bad quarterback play, Deontay Johnson had a pretty dang good year. Drew Locke is banged up, and Drew Locke stinks. And guess what? Over the next one to two years, and this is what he told me, oh, you have such recency bias, I'd take a long-term view in Dynasty. Okay, Fuckhead. You take the long-term view for the rest of your life and never win a championship you fucking loser you need to have a one to two year window you can't have a fucking four-year plan and dynasty all your friends might be dead by then America the NFL might be fucking playing games in Singapore by then and you know escaping America as we burn to the ground like who the fuck knows dude and I'm just like come on bro Drew Locke is banged up. There is nothing behind him. And guess what? Even when he's not banged up, he stinks. I said, what's more likely? You get two years, the last of Ben's contract with the same level of production for Claypool that we're seeing right now, or that Drew Locke, after all signs are pointing to him being maybe not a terrible bust, but not a great starting quarterback, him breaking out and fucking going nuts. And I'm like, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool, you could tell me, oh, he had his big games when Deontay Johnson was out. Okay, Darius Slay was on him all game Malcolm Butler was on him during the Titans game and he drew a PI which would have been a 40 yard touchdown and then we're not even having this conversation because that's three straight weeks of over 10 fantasy points <laughs> you, you can't have it both ways so he gets knocked for that but Judy, well Cortland Sutton's out it's, it's really fucked up the offense okay Judy, then make a stand because Tim Patrick is outplaying you Tim fucking Patrick Okay, the Claypool part, I was sort of mad about. The Higgins isn't even close. I, and I told him this. I said, please, idiot, fucking loser virgin Redditor, debate me one of these points. I went Ben Shapiro on him. I said, debate me, debate me, debate me. And he would not respond to any of my points on Higgins. None of them. I, I went over situation. I went over college production. I went over NFL production. Every fucking thing you could think of would not debate me on any point I made. I said, so can you tell me one reason why you like Jerry Judy more than T. Higgins? And he said, I just prefer Judy's talent coming out of the draft. Okay, here we go. We we discovered it, folks. Another draft capital zombie. Let's review his top four again. C.D. Lamb, number one, which I know C.D. Lamb didn't go first in the draft. He might as well have. Everybody had him as the number one dynasty receiver. It was pretty fucking obvious. Justin Jefferson was his next in Tier 1. Then he has Judy and Ruggs, of course, in Tier 2A, as he called it. Why? Because they're first-round picks. Because they were the number one and the number two receiver drafted. Another fucking draft capital zombie. Oh, where were they drafted? Where were they drafted? I must know. That's how much they're worth. Wherever they were drafted, that's what they're worth. T. Higgins was only a second-round pick. T. Higgins, they took Jalen Rager over T. Higgins. It does not fucking matter, bro. It does not matter. (laughs) I didn't know that you got fantasy points based on where you were drafted in the NFL draft. Somebody tell John Ross because he's currently on our fucking waivers. Somebody tell Corey Davis. Somebody tell Laquan Treadwell. Somebody tell these guys. Their careers, their fantasy points, their production, their Hall of Fame status is actually determined by their draft capital, You fucking idiot. So you're telling me, I know for a fact, this fuckhead cuck, if I could see his preseason rankings, it would be C.D. Judy, Ruggs. Maybe not in that order, but that would be those top three. And you're telling me the only way a player could surpass and get into that group of three you originally had, you draft Capital Zombie, is Justin Jefferson being the eighth wide receiver in points scored on the entire season? He literally needs to be a top 10 current wide receiver to break your precious draft capital thinking. Fuck off. T. Higgins is worth more than Judy. To so back to this trade. I really like it for Nate. And Bob is making a, uh, making a push for the playoffs, and I commend that. Oh, my God. This is a terrible podcast. We still have 10 matchups to go through. <sighs> All right, I didn't know it, so hopefully this will go quick. In week six... It was a big. Everyone was so excited. Oh, the good team's going to face the bullshit division and we're going to we're going to storm in like some fucking Nazi troops into Poland and just wreck shit. Well, it turns out we weren't going into Poland. We were going into Russia and the winter froze us, baby. It was bad. We went 1 and 4. I'm the only one that squeaked out a win. You're welcome. No surprise. But yeah. So now prior to that, the uh the com- the combined record was 4 and 1 against the two divisions, and now it is all tied up at 5-5. Five and five. So we go to my first matchup, my victory, the only victory for the good team division. Actually, I haven't heard that name in years. That's not a name I recognize anymore. After this week, it's been officially changed to the Cuck Division because we were all cucked into thinking that this division shit would divide us and would just... It would make for fucking chaos, and everybody said, oh, look at the standings last year. That says that Bill and Devin are going to dominate the bullshit division, and we're all going to be fighting for a spot. I mean, that's not entirely true. Everything changes in this league. That's why I love it. That's why I love it. I love it. I love it. Anyways, I beat Eric 113.36 to 111.16. I know. It wasn't a great performance. Uh, Lamar and, and the Steelers' defense were my highest scores. Zeke essentially tried to fumble this game away from me. I mean, we're talking I have at least uh, almost a double-digit lead, if not for his fucking fumbles. Um, It was a close one for Eric. If he had played Irv Smith over Evan Ingram, James Washington over Marquise Brown, Zach Pascal over Marquise Brown, any of those— I mean, you're only down by 2.2. Any of those moves, he gets the W. But on my hand, I left Debo on my bench. I left Higgins on my bench. I left Christian Kirk, Cam Newton. If I had played a better lineup, I have 50 more points. I mean, I'm like— up on the fucking point leaderboard if I, I played nearly my worst lineup possible when you take out buys and entries like I almost could not have played a worse lineup and I still pulled it out so you can call me a phony and say oh Dan, you would have lost a three out of five of the bullshit matchups this weekend you play three out of the other five contestants and and you lose you only beat uh Eric and you only beat I think it was Bill um but hey I was the fourth highest scorer on the week so yeah, the loss to three random teams, it's still the fourth high score of the week. It wasn't a great week for a lot of people. Which brings us to Drew versus Bob. And we got to give credit where credit is due. To Drew. Drew won 205.26 to 103.64. He nearly fucking doubled Bob's score? Are you kidding me? Whew. I knew it was a bad day. When we were at Mountaineer, and we went to Mountaineer, it was a good time. I felt like one of, I felt like Bob was like a 1930s mafia boss member, and I was one of his little henchmen, like, running up to him and giving reports. I'm coming up to him, and I'm like, oh, Bobby, oh, boss, sorry about this. Uh, Ronald Jones just scored a touchdown, boss. And Bob's like, uh, okay, you know, he's chewing on a cigar. He's getting pissed. I'm like, uh oh, Derrick Henry with another touchdown. Oh, maybe make that too, Bobby. Oh, AJ Brown got a touchdown. Oh, sorry, boss, but Julio got a touchdown. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Adrian Peterson just got a touchdown, boss. Oh, no, oh, Jeff, Justin Jefferson got two touchdowns, boss. I'm sorry. I mean, oh my God. Drew's 15 TDs on his starting lineup. That's fucking incredible. If he had played Jimmy G over the million-dollar man Andy Dalton and DeAndre Swift over Jamison Crowder, he would have got to 240, which would have been a league high in points. Speaking of the million-dollar man Andy Dalton, how was his line that week? It was 266 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. That's for your highest-paid free agent of all time. Anyways, Bob obviously... Did not have much of a chance here. There's nothing he could have done to one. He didn't even at a quarterback two to start. He's flexing a he's super flexing a flex. And Kareem Hunt, no BJ, they met a little something I like to call the steel curtain. And when that happens, points are not on the table. A lot of things are on the table. Sacks, tackles for loss. Not points. Not points. Um I didn't. I didn't. I thought Bob. Bob drove us to Mountaineer. I was afraid he was going to drive us off the cliff. Drive us right off that fucking rickety bridge. You got to drive over. <laughs> watching Baker and watching all these touchdowns for Drew go off. I was I was concerned for my safety. Another exciting matchup we got to get to: Billy versus Dave. Oh my God, Dave! You lost, D- Billy. Scored one oh nine point one two and beat Dave sixty seven point six two. These were the two lowest scores on the week. happened to play each other? Oh, sorry, no, sorry. Two of the two of the lowest three scores of the week. You know, I knew it was. I I had a feeling. You know, we we're driving down to Mountaineer, and someone said, "I think it was Bob." I was like, yeah, let's fucking sweep them. And and then and then I asked Dave, "I'm like, hey, how's your lineup going?" And he goes, "Oh, I don't know. I'm a, I'm starting Cam Akers this week, and uh Cameron Brate's gonna be." my tight end. I think they're both going to break out. That's when I knew we were in trouble. That's when I knew the good team division would never be the same. It would splinter, it would fracture, and it would become the cuck division. I knew in that moment, I saw it before my eyes, the rise of the cuck. And what was that final stat line for Cam Akers and Cameron Brate's breakout party? One reception for three yards. That's both of them combined. No carries for Akers. Not a single fucking one. I mean, I would say, this is probably the first bye week loss. A lot of people are going to lose when just, we have giant rosters, and sometimes you get fucked. Like I'm gonna get fucked this week. He didn't have Jake, Dave didn't have Jacobs or Camaro this week. That had him flexing, we already talked about Akers and Bray, that had him flexing Rex Burkhead and Mike Boone? Combined, Eight of his starters put up 4.3 points. And the Mike Davis magic, it, it this was the day it officially began waning. And I don't know who could have called this, who could have called Dave looking real hot, being atop the leaderboard to start the season, and then just slowly blowing it and crumbling. I don't know. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. But I don't know. It appears to be happening. You know? And on Bill's side, there's really not that much interesting. Not a great game, but enough for the dub. Uh, next one, Devin versus Matt. Devin wins 127.5 to 111.12. I, I, I hate this. I hate to add another W to the bullshit column, but I love seeing Matt lose. God damn it. I fucking love it. Deshaun made up for a terrible Rodgers game and I had the Packers everywhere. I'd have come out with some money out of Mountaineer if they and the Patriots had not just been terrible. Um, And he had some good flexes. Clyde had a good game. Travis Fulgham, that was a nice pickup. George Kittle, Jonathan Taylor, finally a good game. For Matt, the lack of flex depth is finally catching up to him. Kyler and Josh Allen, you combine the two of them and take an average, they were all right. Kyler was a lot better. But, I mean, Juju, Mecole Hardman, Michael Gallup, J.D. McKissick, Julian Edelman. These days, that don't inspire confidence. Now, what sucks is... If he played Gronk over Hardman and played AJ Green over Edelman or a fucking number of Gallup, McColl, all these fucking losers, he actually would have had the win. But on the other hand, if Dev played Rivers over uh Rogers and and the Tampa Bay defense over the, the Ravens defense, he gets another 35 points. So, anyways, as we said, that week, that was week six. And now let's go on to week seven. Yeah, that's right. We had a week off. We're not, we're not skipping anything. We'll cover everything. Don't you worry there. Week seven, another conference matchup. Three and two combined score favoring the Cuck division. That brings the grand total to eight and seven. So it's, it's, it's fucking tight. And we got another week of conference matchups this week, this very week. So it's eight and seven for now. We'll start with my game. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it. Tyler Lockett had a historic day, one of the greatest fantasy performances of all time. A man of faith, a Christian, a virgin who put one up for the baby. Put a big one up for the baby. When I thought all hope was lost, I thought all hope was fucking lost. I had the Ravens on by. I got a lot of Ravens. I had Mixon injured. I, I, I had Cam putting up negative points. But Lockett decided to save me. He decided he decided to fucking bury Devin. And then I turned around. I said, who's that? Who's that? Oh, my God. Is that Debo coming up to to secret? Is it is it one of those cage matches where I think I have Devin, but then he comes alive and Debo, his tag team partner, comes and clubbers me over the head and throws me in the coffin? No, it's my old friend, Christian Kirk, and he's got a shovel. He's helping dig. He's helping dig. Christian Kirk assisting in the burial. That week against Bob, I was so fucking close, and if I didn't trade him the Rams defense for a third-round pick, I'd have won the game. We've belabored it enough, but... I'd have a two win lead in this division right now instead of a one. Really stinks. But anyways, that Monday night football game against the Saints, the Chargers, everything went wrong to me. I just needed Saints to lose and Justin Jackson to have or sorry, Joshua Kelly to have like 32 yards. Neither every single thing went wrong for me. This was the turnaround. Every single game, every single moment, every single play in that Sunday night football game went my way. Devin tactically grabbed Giovanni Bernard. That played out well. And Rodgers, he lit it up. He lit it up. On a side note, I really thought I was going to lose, and I was like, holy shit, every time I fucking lose this year, <laughs> Devontae Adams scores 30-plus points. It's just what happens. Obviously, I regret trading him. Um, Devin could have won if he had played Sterling Shepard over Gabriel Davis, Hawkinson over George Kittle, and Curtis Samuel over... DK Metcalf not that he would do those things but in a pipe dream in a made up world he might have Bob versus Nick Nick squeaked this win out this was an exciting game 189.12 to 180.58 that might be the highest combined score of all time I don't know but definitely this year Um, Brady and Russ both now on Bob's squad Um, and then Burrow and Breeze on Nick's side going nutty Four of the top five or six highest-scoring quarterbacks facing off. You know, Bob got the Devontae Adams game that I traded away. A nice move playing Jamal Williams, doubling up on the Packers against the shitty Texans. And Nick, talk about the million-dollar man and Andy Dalton. How about the $3 man and James Robinson having another great game? D.J. Moore with a big play, McLaurin, Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins. And it's really... This week, if you want to look at good roster building, this is a week, a score to look at. $3 pickup for James Robinson, trades for DJ Moore, McLaurin, Ridley, and DeAndre Hopkins. None of, no, he was not granted any of these when he did his orphan draft. He made moves to acquire all these guys, and they got him a dub. So, I mean, that's, that's some pretty good shit. You know, for Bob, it sucks for OBJ. If OBJ had played the full game, which would end up being very high scoring. We might be having a different conversation. This might have been Bob's game. That just kind of sucks. You know, if he had played someone instead of OBJ, like Malcolm Brown or Michael P. Ryan, he gets the win, but obviously you're not going to do that. He didn't know OBJ would be hurt. Going to Nate versus Bill. Nate wins this one, 139.28 to 107.28. A nice win for the Cuck Division. Baker, who he recently traded for, laying down some big time points. Uh that makes you feel pretty good about trading Russ and getting uh, Saquon on your IR. That's nice. Tanny and Fournette also doing well. Of course he traded both those guys um now, but in another deal. But Gurley, he's alive and well. He's 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 gotten a lot of touchdowns this year, so that's pretty good. Billy had no way to win this one. That's it. All right, Dave versus Eric. Dave with another just face planting performance. I mean, you can't chalk it up to buys this time. He loses 102.16 to 91.76. Last week, his game occupied two of the lowest three scores in the league. This week, it was just the two lowest scores. Twoest lowest scores, Dan? No, two lowest scores. For Dave, it turns out that Josh Jacobs, he might actually need an O-line to perform. That might be important. You might not want to lose your whole O-line to COVID. And despite dropping forty three. On the Broncos, Patrick Mahomes was not a big part of it. Did it on the ground, did it with defense and special teams. Didn't fucking matter. The Mike Davis magic is is pretty much ran out. Like in the the Harry Potter wand, it's like the flaccid penis like wand that's just kind of dripping drooping around. I mean, that train is pretty much over now. What that means for McCaffrey when he comes back, I mean, Mike Davis has at least looked competent to be looked looked very good to start the year, and now is borderline competent. Um, I don't know if that's going to trim down McCaffrey's usage, but if I was the Panthers, I would. I mean, you are competing, but why wear this guy into the fucking ground? Especially, actually, if you think you can make the playoffs, don't do that. So, um, Mike Davis might have some some moves in the future. Diggs is now putting up the performances the last couple of weeks that we initially expected when he moved to Buffalo. Um, there's no way that he was happy about that move. You know, he it ended up working out in the first couple of weeks, but. You know, all this Josh Allen MVP talk. I said it last year. I said the Bills have the most complete roster. The lowest graded spot I would give them is quarterback. Josh Allen played some weak competition and looked very good early on, and you know, he's come back down to earth. It's, a, it's been a hard meteor crash. But for some reason, the Bills' defense isn't good, which I don't understand. They brought back almost all their starters, and I, I just don't get it. I haven't watched them enough, honestly, to see what's going on there. Anyways, Dave had no way to win this one. Eric playing a nearly perfect roster. He literally is his, his optimal lot roster only scores 3.5 more points. And, you know, he only scored 102. So that, that tells you one thing. Um, but what, what it tells you is another thing is that he did a good job starting his lineup. It was mostly due, he had the big Thursday night uh, football performance from Wentz and 30 points from San Francisco's defense and Harrison Bucker combined. So when you sh- extrapolate that out and then look at the rest of his roster. Ouch, But, hey, both those guys outscored Mahomes. Harrison Buckker, the fucking kicker, outscored Mahomes. That's crazy. Um, As it turns out for Eric, Andy Dalton is really bad for Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. I mean, we discussed the possibility. We all said, well, I said, so that means we all said that it was the right move to take CeeDee Lamb, that he shouldn't try to, after Dave took Cam Akers, don't go for Antonio Gibson, get CeeDee Lamb. He's a generational talent. Even though you already have Cooper, but you had Dax, so it was a nice stack. You know, we didn't anticipate Dak going down on the offense going to shit, but still think it was the right move, especially now he's got three first-round picks. He's in a nice um, rebuild stage. Last matchup to talk about. Oh, I went through 10. Fuck yes. Matt versus Drew. We knew Matt would win this one after a brilliant act of intimidation, changing his team name to fuck the process. I love it. I thought that Drew changed his name to that, and I was thinking, oh, is this his statement? I scored 200 last week. Fuck the process. We're already here. There's nothing to trust. No, it was Matt. A pure act of intimidation, and how much did he drop on him? 115.2 to 105, 104.6. You know, it wasn't a great game for either of them. Kyler basically shouldered this dub. You know, I don't think enough has actually been made of him meeting the fantasy expectations. It seems like when he got DeAndre in the summer and people were maybe doing startup drafts or whatever, like Dynasty, whatever was going on, everyone was like, oh, he's, he's a QB2, you know, he's a QB3. Take him right after Mahomes and, and Lamar. Take him in the fifth round. And then as the summer went on, you know, he was falling more in like the 7 or 8 range. But, I mean, he has lived up to it in a big way. I still don't love him in real life. I question some of his decisions sometimes. Um, you know, it doesn't look like he always will wait for the pass to come to him. He's just like, okay, I'm going to actually just – run backwards and try to sweep out wide and then get sacked for 20 yards and look like a fucking idiot and make a third and long, a third and 50. But whatever, I mean, he'll, he'll learn that stuff. Anyways, Matt did leave 44 points on his bench between the Kansas City defense, if he played them over New England, and Justin Herbert over Josh Allen. So that could have helped him in the standings because as, as we'll get to, it is very tied up record-wise. Um, but... After a nearly record shattering week, Drewby cooled considerably thanks to who's that again? The Steel Curtain. I'm just kidding. AJ Brown, he fucked. He fucked all over our week secondary, but it was one big play. We've we've fallen prey to that almost every game, fallen to a big play. And Henry was pretty decent considering the competition, but I could watch that spillane stuff at the goal line all fucking day. Um Anyways, the real story here for Drew is the million dollar man, Andy Dalton. How would he do this week? 75 yards, one pick and one concussion. Um anyways, Drew had no way to win this one. All right, let's close it up. We've we've run very long, too long, too long. Let's get into the standings. Oh yeah, cuz it was a crazy fucking two weeks. So we got to get into these MF and standings. All right, in first place, representing the bullshit division is Nick. He's got a record of five and two. He's got the most points in the league. He's the first to crack a hundred or a thousand. Sorry, a thousand seventy one. That's, um, that's, that's nearly, that's 90 points more than the next high score. So, yeah, I mean, sorry. He's still, he, He's had some boom weeks to help that out, but he scores high pretty much every week. And so good for him. I mean, it's been a really, really fucking good year for Nick. In second place is myself representing the Cuck division at 5-2 and two with the third most points scored in the league. Yes, I advance. You might think it's cheap that I'm in second place, you know, with having the third most points scored in the league. But listen, if I didn't make that fucking Rams trade, I have such a lead on this on this division such a fucking lead and a couple better decisions not even that many just like one or two better decisions and i have the second most point scored in the league so fuck off by the way nick rose one slot in the rankings as did i i try to remember to do that over the two-week span we both went two and oh that helped to propel us okay Dave is now in third place at four and three. He's got the fifth most point score in the league. He went 0-2 over the two-week stretch since we last spoke. And now he drops two slots. He loses his bye. I mean, he had a huge point margin. At one point, like over 100 points over second place. And now he's in fifth. Now he's over 130 below Nick at first. I mean, that's some really really bad weeks. Matt is in fourth place also at 4 and 3 tied for a record representing the book, the Cuck Division, sorry, I almost said the old name. He's got the eighth most points here in the league. I can't speak to that. Um he went one and one over the two week uh pace in two weeks and now he is up one slot. Um I mean, you got to say it, it, it's a lot of luck. His points suggest that he shouldn't be here, but this is basically as good as you could fucking do when losing Christian McCaffrey. And it is so scary. The fact that Christian McCaffrey is actually coming back to his team and he's up here, right? If he had lost, like if he had like five losses, four losses, I mean, it's a tight year, but he really did as good as he could without his best player. Um, Regardless in fifth place, also representing the Cuck division, Is Bob at three and four? He's got the second most points scored in the league. There's a lot of guys at three and four. Half the league is at three and four. Half the league, and 80 (laughs) percent of the bullshit division. Everyone besides Nick is at three and four. Um, But Bob just dominates them in points. Mostly, he went 0 and 2 over these past two weeks, despite scoring pretty big at least in one week. I mean, he dropped one. If Matt got all, it has all the luck. He must have just sucked it out of Bob, like just fucking sucked it out of him, like a fucking um, like a succubus. Or you know, you ever seen Indiana Jones when the guy picks up the the wrong thing he thinks is the Holy Grail? And like the life literally sucks out of him, and he's just like this fucking hollow zombie. That that must have been what Matt did with Bob's luck. Losing the Nick was brutal. But Bob will tell you, oh, I have the worst luck in the league, the worst luck, all my four losses are bullshit. Okay, let's examine those those four losses. Okay, we talked about the Nick one is bullshit. That sucks. His other losses, he put up 96, 121, and 104. I mean, those are not weak winning scores. They're not worthy scores. And one of his wins was only with a four-point margin. That was against me. And another one of his wins is only with a 10-point margin. So it's actually not been as bad. It's just one amazing week and pretty consistent scoring outside of his losses um, that puts him up at the top of the charts in terms of points. Um, But he's still in the playoffs. And he's, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he wins this week and Dave loses and, He's in second He's in uh, second in the division. So, Devin is in sixth place. He's our last playoff spot representing the bullshit division. He's also at three and four. He's got the fourth-most points scored in the league. Started a little slow, but, I mean, I guess that was to be expected. He, he kind of made the cornerstone of this year, two rookie running backs. Uh, it's going to take some time for them to develop, to develop. He made a big move for Deshaun Watson um, mid-year. And he's climbing in the point totals, but the early performance – couple losses that set him back that pushed him back so we'll see um you know how far he can continue to climb oh sorry Bob is down one slot I don't know if I mentioned that I forgot at this point Devin is up two slots after only going one and one this week up two slots so you know despite the the brutal loss to me the points speak for themselves he's up two slots Drew is now in seventh place Trust the process. He's at three and four. He's got the sixth most points scored in the league. He went one and one over the two week period. He's up two slots. He's very volatile. I'll give it to him. He probably if we could if we could do and I should have done this. We could do average points scored, and obviously he's the sixth highest. If we do standard deviation of points scored, he might be number one. But look for him to shake up the ranks because he is going to easily beat me this week. Don't look at the projected rankings. When you look at my players and look at their matchups, it's all red. Ravens against the Steelers, yuck. I got, you know, I got Lamar and and and, uh, and Mark Andrews. I got Tevin Coleman, Debo, and Godwin out. I guess Debo's not on my team anymore, but the point remains. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, I got the Cardinals on by. I got Christian Kirk and, and uh, fucking Chase Edmonds on by. I got the Redskins on by, or sorry, Washington, um, So I don't really have that many people to start. And all you need to know about Drew's team is he has Derrick Henry facing the Cincinnati Bengals. So Derrick Henry is literally going to have 50 points. He doesn't even have to have a good week overall. Derrick Henry will single-handedly truck my team. But that being said, he pops up to 4-3 and with with almost the entire league with 7 out of 10 teams being with either 4 or 3 wins – he gets a dub, and, I mean, we're talking some, some madness coming up. So look for him to shake up these rankings and maybe jump into the playoffs this week. Bill is at is in eighth place at three and four. He's got the seventh most points scored in the league. He went one and one over the past two weeks, He's but he's down two slots. Okay, over the past two-week period, six out of ten teams went one and one. Only Bill fell two slots. Everyone else jumped. Everyone else was... The same, maybe fell one, some of them went up two, some of them won one. Only Bill had as worse of an outcome. Um Dave is the only other team that went 0 2. Or sorry, Dave is the only other team that fell two slots, but he went 0 2. Bob went 0 2 over the week and he only fell one. Um so it's really just a testament to lineup setting how fucking close these records are, and how much points matter. I mean, you make one little fucking mistake in your flex, and it is going to it's going to eat you alive this year. We are really looking at a crazy, crazy toss-up for who's going to make the playoffs. Then we have Eric at ninth. He's at three and four. He's got the 10th most point score in the league, went one and one over the past two weeks. He dropped one slot. Nate at two and five. He's got the ninth most point score in the league, one and one over the past two weeks. He's at the exact same spot. Now, We're going to introduce a new segment. I timed it out perfectly to begin right now. It's the write off segment. I will every week until the end of the year give you a team that is 100% assured, guaranteed not to win the championship. Okay. And you say, look, Dan, that's a pretty stupid exercise. You know, prior to week eight, you're giving us one name, and, you know, we're pretty sure you're going to give us one of the lowest teams in the league. That's pretty obvious, right? And you'll do the same thing before week 9. Oh, but then by week 10, right before week 11, you're basically going to have to have the playoffs picked. And there's still two more weeks because you're going to have to name four people by then. Going into the playoffs, you're only going to have four possible winners out of six that are all in the playoffs and eligible. So it's going to get interesting, not this week, not next week, but after that, it's going to be very hard. With how tight this league is, for me to make a judgment call on who is not going to win the championship, it's going to be hard. This week, to kick it off, it's Eric. You might have thought I would take Nate because he's in last place, but listen, we look at Nate, okay? Nate's got Gurley and Daryl Henderson. They're doing all right. I mean, that's, it's not the best, but that's a good quarterback lineup you can feel okay about. Uh, at, you know, or sorry, running back. At quarterback, you know, he's got Cam, he's got Stafford, uh, he's got Baker. Not bad. On Eric's side of the ball, his running backs are fucking Frank Gore and Alexander Madison. Like, I know Chubb's coming back, but that's not good. His quarterbacks are, um, are, Carson Wentz, and I don't even know who his other quarterback is, to be honest. Trubisky, he's not playing. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, even though Nate is in last place, Eric has the least points. I can see Nate. He's made some good moves over the past couple weeks. He's given maybe some more win-now pieces for some, for some developmental life, but I still see Nate as a little better than his record and his points suggest. Um, and I, I, I see him competitive, so I won't write him off yet. I'm writing off Eric. And it's actually an interesting tidbit on these points to say that Nate is the ninth lowest points I- in the league. If he has 10 more points, he's the seventh. You know what I mean? That's, that's not that much of a jump. So here's, a, here's an interesting thing I put together on these points. Nick, the difference between Nick, the number one seed, and Devin, the sixth seed. And he's got the fourth most points. So this is the difference between the top and the bottom of the playoffs. 117.94. Okay. Let's okay so that's bottom to top of the playoffs. Now, difference between Devin, fourth most points in the league and Nate, 10th most 10th seed with ninth most points in the league. This is the out of, in the playoffs to out of the playoffs. But still six slots and points, five slots and points, only 49.4. So the bottom of the barrel is very tight. Half of this league is tied for wins. I mean, it, it can go anywhere. The match of the week this week has to be Bob versus Bill. Of all the five teams, but it's another intra conference matchup, so we'll see how Cuck versus Bullshit does this week. But of all the five teams that have three wins, only Bob and Bill play each other. All the other three-win teams play somebody else. So we know one thing for a fact. Three of the five teams that have three wins can advance to four wins. Sorry, four of them. Without a doubt, at least one has to stay at three, and it's either Bob or Bill. This is a big fucking turning point. Mark my fucking words. This is a big turning point. Whoever loses this, they might be a candidate for a write-off sooner than you think. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that we're going to look back and say that was the matchup, that if he won, he'd be in the playoffs today. Anyways. Um, I mean, you know, Bill... He's been snake bitten by injuries, and I guess I thought of this before I knew Michael Thomas was out, which I think he was. And Bob, he he dealt a bad draw, you know, in the Nick game. But I think this is this is a pretty interesting matchup. I give Bob the quarterback edge. I give Bill the flex edge. It could really go either way. I'm excited to see it. Uh, I'm excited to see myself get trounced and. You know, it's not so bad, whatever. I, I I feel good about giving Drew a win. I like to shake up the rankings. As long as I can kind of stay near the top and I squeak out a couple more wins after this, I feel good. So we're about to approach week eight. Which means we got, what, six more weeks of uh, six more games to play before the playoffs. Is that right? Um, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. That's right. I just counted. Just got proof. So that'll be very interesting. Next time we talk, we'll have a lot to talk about. As always and again, I'm sorry uh, for missing last week. Uh, I'm sorry for the attitude. I'm sorry for everything, Devin. I'm sorry that Tyler Lockett did that to you. Yes, I asked him to. I wanted him to. I still feel bad. I'm sorry that I overpaid for Ryan Tannehill. You guys just wouldn't get it. And I'm sorry that I'm doing this tipsy in my basement. But until next time, I'm going to go crash a couple more beers and play some super mario 64 on my switch Bye bye